The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. My name is Deborah Fitzgerald, editor of the Peninsula Pulse, and I have two people crowded into our cozy little Bailey's Harbor studio today because we're going to be talking about something that maybe people don't know about too much. I know I didn't, and it's called citizen science. And we're going to be talking about it with a person from the Door County Land Trust and a person from the Ridges. So two people who are highly qualified to do so. The first is Tony Koshonis, and he's the Director of Research for the Ridges. Welcome, Tony. Thank you very much, Deborah. And the other person that we have here is Paige Wittick, and she is the Community Conservation Coordinator for the Door County Land Trust. Welcome, Paige. Thank you. Excited to be here. So the reason that I wanted to have you both in here is because something that you are breaking down barriers in terms of the silos that we have up here. Anybody who lives in a community and knows what those silos are, and they're different for all communities, but we know what ours are. And, you know, sometimes municipalities, they all do the same types of things like build roads and or maintain roads and parks and provide services for their residents. But even they don't always talk to each other about how they go about doing those things to make sure that they're all learning from each other's experiences. We have a number of conservation groups up here as well, and maybe they don't always talk as much as they should because each of them thinks that they have slightly or maybe even more than slightly different missions. And so they don't talk as much as they should. Well, that's changing because there is a collaborative effort that is taking place, and it's called the Citizen Science Symposium. That's going to be on Saturday, October 21st, and we'll get more into that after. But congratulations on the symposium and bringing these conservation groups together to both of you. Thank you. So first, let's cover the groundwork of what a citizen scientist is. What is a citizen scientist? I think one way of thinking of yourself as a citizen science is to think of it as science as almost a hobby. But it's a hobby that can contribute to greater scientific knowledge and contribute to bettering our world, bettering that environment that you see around you. So citizen science in its simplest definition would be public participation in scientific monitoring to increase that scientific knowledge. So through citizen science, people get to share and contribute data by monitoring and collecting information about the world they see around them. So a citizen scientist is anybody who is interested in volunteering in this regard? Yeah, exactly. So You can kind of think of citizen science as almost having four common features between all the like broad range of citizen science programs. Anybody can participate. Participants use a similar protocol so that the data can be combined and be high quality. Scientists and volunteers are working together and share data to which the public can also access that data. And this data can help scientists come to conclusions about what we're seeing out there in the land. Okay. So you don't actually have to have a science background. You 
Absolutely do not. You just have to have an interest in what's out there. So if you're interested in bees, you can go watch bees. Or if you're interested in birds, you can go watch birds out in your backyard. And it's something that people have been doing for years. And it's a way for people to show their interests and have what they're recording. So I know it was very popular for people to go out and record what birds they saw and heard. And now you can contribute that data to a global database that scientists have used to study bird population trends. So citizen scientists, Tony, have they always been called citizen scientists? The names have varied and the names even today are variable. Community scientists, participatory scientists, just people doing what they love to do. I mean, it's it's a lot of different names for essentially the same thing. And in Door County, for example, the ridges, we've stuck with citizen scientists as our, our moniker. Uh, I believe the Land Trust is also citizen science. Our colleagues down at Crossroads at Big Creek are going with community scientists. The national organization has recently switched their names from citizen scientists to participatory scientists. So it, the names change, and, and much the same as there have been changes with Audubon societies also. It's really the same fundamental ideas that Paige spoke to earlier. But we don't want people to get hung up so much on the, the names of what we call ourselves, and we're not going to be you know, we're walking around with signs on our backs with what we are because we're all doing essentially the same thing. Okay, so has this been around for a while? Because I feel like I just started hearing this term. It's probably been around since people were dragging their knuckles on the ground and going from uh, cave to cave because what it does is gathers information about our natural world. And what has changed is that with social media particularly and the abilities to communicate with uh, electronic uh, devices rather than banging rocks together, uh, we've been able to have a much more of an awareness. And what I have noticed is that the groups have suddenly sprung up. You know, social media sometimes gets a negative connotation, but I know sometimes uh, <laughs> we, we're trying to be tactful here. Deborah. Got it. Okay. Uh, but is what I have noticed is that we can also have a lot of opportunities for the benefit of the whole in terms of the communication aspects. And with citizen science in particular, at any point in time, you can log on and get data on Door County birds and get data on how many cranes were in Door County or in Illinois this past year. And that really, I think, has opened up. On a social media site? Or do you mean a site that is... There are websites, but there are Facebook groups that will have uh, all these different things going on now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone who knows me probably is not surprised that I'm not much of a Facebook guy. But I know, you know, I see Paige's name, for example, on the Door County eBird site. And that's just one advantage that we have now and why I think more and more people are hearing about the ideas because it's, it's out there now in platforms that are, are much more recognizable. Okay. I think there's evidence that shows that the smartphone, that invention of that technology, is really enabled people to go out and collect what we call geospatial data. So people can go out with their phone that they have with them all the time anyway and utilize these different apps and utilize that GPS technology that they have at their fingertips to record not only, oh, I saw this species of bumblebee at this particular preserve, but this is exactly where I saw it. 
and this was the species I saw, and here's where it was. And so having that kind of technology at your fingertips has, I think, really expanded this topic of citizen science and that true ability for anyone to participate and learn what they need to learn to be able to record some of this information as well. And apps make it really easy to enter data. So it's not taking notes on a data sheet and then having to go back and spend hours uploading the data to a site or, or even, you know, a spreadsheet. You can do it right there, right then, submit. And that information is then available for scientists in a real-time manner as well. Okay, that's so that makes a lot of sense that now you can get accurate data. Not that you can't if you're writing on your data down, because I'm sure you still there's still monitoring or still some types of projects that utilize mm-hmm. that. But oh, absolutely. that's really interesting that now everybody has a phone. And so if that's what you happen to be into, then you can actually send some very valuable data about what it is that you're seeing. I had been thinking that it was something like funding cuts in you know, there aren't as many people available to do research at universities or at scientific places and certainly at our local nonprofit organizations, you know, where you don't have a large staff where you can actually send out 20 people to do the types of projects Mm -hmm. you have. Okay, so that is one component, at least here for nonprofits. Yes, absolutely, Deborah. And I know uh, we've got just a marvelous, marvelous group of individuals. We're probably dealing with about 70 citizen scientists and all up here at the Ridges. And I know Paige has been working very hard to, to get her cohorts together. And well, in fact, Paige is one of our citizen scientists up here. So. Oh, cool. Was. <laughs> Until, so still? I mean, yep. still working? Okay, so then you cross over. Oh, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> so you don't have to be loyal to one organization. You can actually do it for a number of different organizations. It, exactly, and, okay. that, you know, and that is part of what we're trying to really get established, that we can have numerous, numerous projects going on with numerous, numerous people, interchangeable. The training is very standardized, and you know, we're really, really happy to have people joining in with the organizations from whatever walk they, they happen to be part of. Okay, so now 70 people sounds like a lot of people. And for some reason, I think that the Ridges has been doing this a little bit longer than other organizations. Is that an accurate perception? That's that's a very accurate perception. In fact, if people would read back to the history of the founding of the Ridges Sanctuary, it was essentially citizen scientists who founded the Ridges Sanctuary back in 1937. Okay. And the continuance from there has just been almost like a, an ingrained type of practice. And we are so fortunate to have that history and the foundational projects that we have going on that we've been very, very blessed with people that have carried that that history on and that tradition on to today. It's, okay. it's really a big part of that. So the Ridges essentially began this concept and has built on it. But then other conservation organizations decided to do their own citizen science types of projects. Is that fair to say, Paige, when it comes to like the Door County Land Trust? When it comes to the Door County Land Trust, I think it's, yes, we're somewhat new to it, but it's also been something that's been happening out on our preserves for a while too, maybe in a less formalized way. Sure. Because we're very interested in what plants and animals are out there on the preserves. 
and how we can best manage for those creatures. And so learning what's out there requires lots of manpower. Mm. And so I think, or you know, people power, people power. Correct. I like that better. Yes. yes. People yes. power, citizen power <laughs> to be able to collect that information. Just like you were saying that no scientists can do alone. Having that people power really allows for that greater impact and that greater knowledge base and being able to gather information from all over the county, all over the state, all over the country, all over the world. Okay. So we have the Ridges, the Dora County Land Trust, Crossroads at Big Creek. Are there any others that are participating in citizen science up here? Oh, absolutely. Climate Change Coalition up That's there right. is absolutely fantastic with the projects that they've got going, and they bring in people from many different walks. And they started the big plant a couple of yes. years ago, and that was truly a collaborative effort among all of the organizations up here, and also getting municipalities involved and nonprofits and that kind of thing. Very so much. we saw a collaboration in action through that as well. Yes. The Nature Conservancy, again, they have, have groups that will work up here. The University of Wisconsin at Green Bay has their students, but still they are participating as citizen scientists up here for some of the work that they have to do in collaboration with some of the research that's going on down there also. Okay. Uh, with you know, the Conference Center for Biodiversity has a, a great footprint up here as far as some of their citizen scientists. Sometimes I think there's a perception of citizen scientists as being a certain demographic yeah. when it really does cross all demographic lines. We can have our kids camps that are doing citizen science is just one example of how it does cross over many different demographics. Okay, well, that's an important distinction because I was just thinking of a certain demographic, and I think of UW Oshkosh, and they have the students up here yes. every year yes. to do the beach monitoring. Mm -hmm. And I never really consider them to be citizen scientists, but of course they are. It's just a different, maybe a different sure. truck they drive around in, and, okay. uh, and a different boat they get to have. So Okay, so there are a number of other organizations that are doing this kind of work. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about, and I know that the Ridges has a number of different programs, and I know that the Door County Land Trust and other organizations have a number of different programs, but can you talk about just some of the key ones if you did not have citizen scientists that you could not do? For us at the Ridges, we've had a, a foundational program with the Water Action Volunteer Program. That's a, a University of Wisconsin extension program where groups of people go out in teams of two and do a really boots on ground water monitoring at one of our more precious resources. And frankly, because of, of how Door County is and all the different things that go along with our geology and geography, I really am proud of our stream monitors that are out there in all sorts of weather and high water, low water and buggy or not, they're out there collecting data that's then incredibly useful for the Wisconsin DNR as an example, but also researchers that do find Door County to be quite interesting to research. So that one stands out in my mind as a fairly long-running program and one that Paige is part of with, uh, with her colleague Thomas. And that one has been very, very prominent for a very much Midwest, if not United States, aspect of things. What are they monitoring for in those streams? Go ahead, Paige. You're out there slopping around more than I am. <laughs> We're monitoring for a variety of different factors in that stream that are going to tell us about the quality of that stream. Okay. So one Is of it just one stream? No, there are a well, number of them. So there are a number of them. So when Tony talks about all the volunteers that are going out there, 
It's usually about two volunteers per site. And I forget how many sites we have been monitored in Door County. 15, about 15. Okay. And And mostly they're streams. Yes. So not lakes. So this particular for the water action volunteers is looking at, yeah, flowing water streams. Mm -hmm. But there are other citizen science efforts that you can get into for some of those lakes and ponds and things too. Okay. But for this, we're measuring temperature, turbidity, which is kind of a way to think of like clarity of the water clear it is. We're measuring what's called dissolved oxygen. So just like there's oxygen in the air, there's oxygen in the water and how much is present in that stream can tell us a lot about the life that that's able to sustain. We're also measuring stream flow, which is one of the most fun things to measure, but also can be (laughs) one of the most frustrating things to measure because we use what's called the float method. Mm. So you're essentially throwing a tennis ball into the stream and timing how long it takes to get from one point into another. Okay. Um, and then using some math to determine what the stream flow is of that stream. Oh. So, and you can imagine it's most streams are not a straight shot with plenty of water for this tennis ball to flow right down. And so that's been the fun thing for Thomas and I, as we've kind of learned these different protocols is figuring, you know, Figuring out how to get it, you know, but get accurate data from it. So that's a couple of the different measurements. And sounds the, like you could use a couple of golden retrievers <laughs> for that particular. You could have they, citizen uh, science. Maybe at the end, Got I think it. they're going to influence that turbidity yeah, measurement a little bit. Prob- <laughs> you're right. There you go. But we're also monitoring for macroinvertebrates, so the different bugs and larvae that are living in the water in the streams because depending on which ones you find there, that can tell you a lot about the quality of the streams because certain macroinvertebrates only can be found in very high quality streams. Okay. So that sounds like a big program and widespread. It, it very much so. And again it provides data for many, many, many people that certainly find it very, very useful. Now selfishly our plant people, to me, are, are critical for the functionings of some of the things we've got going at the ridges. Okay. And we have a, a major plant inventory group that's out there slugging around. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. You identify every single plant we are trying at the ridges? To, we are, are that trying is nuts. To, is that it, even it doable? Is, theoretically, yes. Practically, nope. Interesting. And, and that's just how, how things are. But it gives us an idea. It hasn't been really done since uh, the early 1980s. And it's time now to do it, especially in our, our changing world. And that's something that this group has been very diligent. We've had workshops with gracious volunteers that have helped us out with sedges and moss and some of the more challenging types of critters. So I'm going to give a plug out to our plant inventory people and then our, our orchid people. As we spoke last year about this this time, Deborah that our ORCID project is primarily citizen science foundationally worked. And they are the major players in our research that we're doing with our ORCIDs, whether it's plot monitoring or shade house upkeep or the the identification of the ORCIDs on our property. They do a a super job. But, you know, our other programs too, our, our crane count is critical. If we look back not that terribly long ago, the Sandhill crane population was decimated. And through the work of citizen scientists, particularly monitoring their patterns and monitoring their populations, that population is is really on, on an upswing now and continues to be one of the success programs of conservation efforts. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I noticed that 
before I left Door County, I left in 2008, and then I returned in 2020. And I don't recall Sandhill Cranes really ever being a right. big thing up here. Right. And it's almost the first bird I heard, which mm-hmm. has a very, very strange call. And I didn't know right. what it was because right. I had not encountered it previously. But this week's paper, on the cover of it, there is a photographer up here who took a, an amazing shot of a, I don't know if it's a flock of sandhill cranes. I don't think it's called a flock. Maybe it is. And their colts, you know, mm-hmm. sandhill cranes and their colts flying. Nice. And oh my gosh, nice. it is just breathtaking. And it's not something, when I first saw it, I automatically thought geese. You know, I just mm-hmm. looked at it. Sure. Uh, but I digress. So check out this week's copy of the Peninsula <laughs> Yes, it's a very cool cover. Anyway, continue. And, and again, they, and they range. We've got a phonology program starting up here with a nice cadre of people, but an individual approached us and said, you know, I really would like to play with the pollinators. I'm not needing to do a plant phonology, but I'm really interested in pollinators. I don't have a computer. How can we work that? I, I can't enter it myself. So, I, well, we have her drop off written copies of things and we, we managed to do that. And it's Interesting. Just, yeah, it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for people in all different situations, all different interest levels. And, you know, I, I could go on and on about the different things. We've got sure. a, a collaboration with the Shedd Aquarium out of Chicago, counting suckers, one of our sites happens to be Which is really, I just have to say this for the record, and I don't mean to interrupt, but that is just an awful name for a fish. (laughs) We had a couple of photos, and we did a story on the woman who comes up here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. And and I just tried to think of a way to word it so that it wasn't in the headline, at least. (laughs) There you go. But couldn't do it. So I really do think that there should be a movement to rename that fish. But anyway, so we Uh, have continued. And, you know, one of our sites happens to be on Door County Land Trust property that we monitor for these suckers. Okay. And, and again, I, I know I'm going to be shortchanging some of our our wonderful programs, but as Paige indicated at the beginning, this can be people that are tromping through incredible, nasty, nasty territory, or with our Christmas bird count, people can sit in their their living room looking at a bird feeder and writing down bird names and numbers. Okay. So, and everything in between. They can be out slugging around in hip waders or sitting having a cup of coffee counting chickadees. And it sounds like it's fluid and flexible. Like if somebody has an interest, like the woman who said, I'm not really into plants, but I'm into the things that pollinate the plants, then you maybe can create that space or create that program to be able to capture that data. Certainly. Okay. So that sounds pretty cool. What about the Door County Land Trust? What types of projects do you have? And just a few. We know that you can get into the weeds, both of you. I know both of you can get into the weeds, but just a couple of them to give a taste. Yeah, absolutely. And I I will say that comparatively to the ridges, like we are really sitting down now and thinking about what information are we missing? What information do we want? And how can our amazing group of volunteers here who are so interested and so dedicated help us get that information? And so we are looking to do some new programs next year, which I don't want to spill the beans now. Sure, (laughs) absolutely. You don't want to do it on podcast. (laughs) But but talking about some of the programs that we've had this past year where, 
you know, we're talking about, you know, lands all throughout the county. So we really, really rely on our volunteers to help provide us information about those different preserves located all throughout the county because it's hard to be everywhere at once. But one program that's been going on for a while and has been fairly successful is our nest box monitoring program. We've got nest boxes out on the preserves for three different species of birds. I think one of the most famous for nest boxes is the eastern bluebird. Okay. So we have eastern bluebird trails at, I believe, three of our different, three or four of our different preserves. Wood duck nest boxes, which are in more wetland type areas, and American kestrels. Okay. And so this is, you know, volunteers going out and checking these boxes regularly to help us get information about nesting success in those nest boxes. And that data, especially for bluebirds, gets submitted to larger databases that are either statewide or even national to better understand the populations and the the breeding success of those birds, which I think is really cool information that we can use to help better manage our lands for these species, but also to have a better understanding statewide or nationwide, which I think is pretty cool. So now let's talk about the collaboration and at what point someone said, you know what, I think the Door County Land Trust is doing something like this? Or, you know what, I think the Ridges has been doing this for a really long time. Should we talk to them? At what point did people start talking to each other about the different citizen science programs that they had? I think it goes back to the fact that both Crossroads at Big Creek and the Land Trust and the Ridges had people coming into positions at about the same time that would then benefit from a collaborative effort. And I I give a lot of credit to Corey Batson at uh, Crossroads because there was a breakfast hosted down there for all Mm -hmm. interested parties. And that, I think, was really a a kickoff that we just were bouncing ideas around back and forth. And I I give that really a lot of, of credit for getting us on these these same pages, as it were, in the communication aspect. Okay. And it's been a very, very good effort then between us to say, okay, hey, you know, I've got, I've got this going on. Would you be interested? Like Paige and Corey were both up at our, our ORCID group that we had up here from the Smithsonian a while back. I know we were down at our Crossroads for an acoustic monitoring program that Corey let us know that they had people coming in. Would we be interested? So I think what it really comes down to is just the, the conscious awareness of the communication between groups and the fact that we're not territorial about it. Okay. And it's just kind of gone from there. And that I, I give a lot of credit to my, my younger colleagues that they've been so incredibly open-minded and willing to share. And we'll go down there at Crossroads for training for this, and then they'll come up here for this. And it's just been a, a very good, open-minded, purposeful type of, of happening, really. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Can you explain, and this might seem like such a basic question, but can you explain what you actually achieve when you collaborate versus staying in your own silo and doing your own citizen science? 
we achieve greater impact. Conservation has a greater impact within Door County, and we can use our collective resources to create that greater impact. My director, Emily Wood, likes to say there's no competition in conservation. Mm. So we are utilizing everyone's resources because each of our organizations has their own special strength and some weaknesses in certain areas too. And so we're able to use all those strengths to have a greater impact than we would have otherwise alone. And what's really cool about this kind of new communication channel is that we're going to be able to I think provide more for people who are interested in citizen science in Door County because Tony's going to be, you know, organizing certain programs and I might meet somebody that's like really interested in that thing. And I can be like, oh, you really need to talk to Tony because he's going to get you on the right path and vice versa. So it's going to be a way for people, no matter what their interest is, they're going to have a group that they can go to and participate in something that is really meaningful for them. Excellent. So what I wanted to ask you about is this Citizen Science Symposium that is going to be happening on October 21st. Can you talk about the players that will be there and what's going to take place? It's going to be at the Ridges, correct? Yes, it's at the uh, Nature Center in our family discovery room, uh, nine o'clock starting. We're going to have light refreshments to start and break down everybody's kind of edginess, at least my edginess. And what'll happen then is uh, we'll have just kind of a meet and greet with each other and, you know, how you doing, a little BS session. And then we're going to have some just brief summaries of a number of our citizen science programs. And the hope there is that we can celebrate, you know, celebrate amongst each other and then have some communications about what various programs are. I know for a fact that some of our Ridges volunteers as Paige said, may be interested in something they've got going on down there. I know uh, Corey's got programs that we may have people interested in going, working down there, and, and vice versa. You know, we've got quite a bit to offer also. Our, our Bald Eagle Nest Watch program, for example, Corey is one of our monitors, and they may have people that are very, very much interested in working with us on that Bald Eagle Nest Watch. Okay, so then how many different organizations will be participating? Right now we have four. We've got Climate Change Coalition, and Jeff Lutze will be speaking uh, with their programs. We've got uh, Door County Land Trust, Crossroads at Big Creek, and the Ridges Sanctuary. Okay, and then all of the citizen scientists who participate are welcome, or even some people who maybe aren't a citizen scientist but are interested? That'd be wonderful. You know, okay. it, the, it's, we've tried to get the word out particularly to our teams, but then it is open to the public and all that people would need to do is, is just send me an email saying I'd like to be there and we'll certainly open doors for people. We want this to also be an informational as a recruitment type of thing also to offer the opportunities that we all have. Okay. And that I think is a big a big factor for us. Okay, so is there still a big need for citizen scientists? Absolutely. Like I said, you know, we're looking to expand our programming. And I know that Tony has talked about that as well at the Ridges and Corey has talked about that at Crossroads. So there are open slots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need more folks to come participate in these programs and share ideas as well. What kinds of information do they want to see or they want to collect or what do they want to know more about as okay. well? Okay. And so that it starts at nine o'clock. Is there an, a hard out on this? We'd like to get rolling at nine social time, probably nine thirty nine. 
35. I, I don't know. This is My hope <laughs> is that this is a very, very flexible, informal type of gathering. And I've tried to communicate that to the people who will be speaking, that this is not anything where we need bells and whistles and, you know, the, a prezi or something like that. This should be a very relaxed, friendly type of let's just communicate, let's celebrate what we've got. I, I really hope that comes across, that we do great things up here. Mm-hmm. And the citizen scientists, they, they, they go through a lot of crud. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not fun sometimes to be out there when the horse flies and the deer flies and the skeeters are, are getting after things. It's not so much fun when we were joking before about the golden retriever at uh, at the stream monitoring, but they, in fact, do have a visitor do have uh, down at their stream. That's a four-legged oh. that'll shake all over them when, when it comes out of the water. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so these things, you know, we hope that it's celebratory and then informational. But to get across the idea that we may have the term citizen science, community science, participatory science, but the underlying is these are our scientists. Our groups are scientists that are aiding the scientific community tremendously. And I, I really hope that comes across also that, yes, we're, we're scientists. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I think, is really important to reinforce. And scientists have gatherings where they communicate things, and we can too because we're scientists. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, you know, I am always interested in people, and so I know that we're just talking about the Citizen Science Symposium, but I was reading Paige's bio on the Dora County Land Trust webpage, and she just moved up here in January of 2023. So I was curious, Paige, since you moved up here and there's such a housing shortage, do you live in Dora County? I do. I live in Sturgeon Bay. Hmm. So what was your search like? I See, I have to ask and anybody who has just recently entered, what was your search like when it came to housing? I will say that it was very intense. Well, I was lucky enough to have a pretty good amount of time to try to find a place. I had about, I think it was about two months. Okay. But- It's very limited. I was looking for an apartment, Mm -hmm. so very limited housing. Luckily, Sturgeon Bay has somewhat more availability than other areas, and it was very quick. You were applying to be put on a waiting list for an apartment. The one we ended up getting was I went and saw it that day, and we decided to put in an application that night, and thank goodness we did because somebody was already put in an application the day after. Uh, so because okay. we were first, we ended up getting it. But it was it's very intense. Had you experienced that kind of a housing issue in the past? Yes and no. I think based on what I'm hearing from other friends and colleagues that are also, you know, moving and looking for new places, it seems to be a very common thing everywhere. Right. Um, particularly when you're talking about affordable housing. Sure. And so it's not something I'd personally experienced before, but I've experienced the scramble to try to find a place to live. Before. Sure. And I, and I bet that is just going to be one of those things that people think of in the future. I know in my generation, we never thought of that when we took a job in a different place. It was never, oh, I hope I'm going to be able to find housing or I can't go there if I can't find housing. That was never actually 
even a factor, you know, you just would be able to find it. But I bet that is just an automatic on the list. You know, it has to be a place where I find housing. So I'm just curious. And we did just do a few podcasts on housing and we are always covering that in the pulse. And so I'm always Mm -hmm. curious with the actual experiences that people have. I want to ask you, Tony, because I know you've been up here for a while. So So, Tony is a retired Southern door school teacher. You taught science, high school science. I did. Yes. And was a volunteer at the Ridges forever. I was actually staff. I was a summer staff. Oh, okay. You were summer staff. All right. And then you were, you became the director of research just last year. Yes. Isn't that correct? Okay. All right. Well, welcome Paige and thank you, Tony. And thank you, Paige. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you you very much. And you're listening to the Dora County Pulse podcast. Thanks for listening always. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com.